All right, Inappropriate Earl is back. Uh, you know, we're just burning up the charts on Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. Uh, we took a while off just because, uh, you know, it's sweeps week now. So I had to bring in some heavy hitters, line up the big daddy guest. And today's guest is, I don't even know how to put it into words, who this man is. We met, it's, it's a motivational podcast today of sorts, because I know a lot of beginning comics listen to this podcast. I know a lot of beginning people in the entertainment business listen to this podcast. And today's guest is someone who literally started at the bottom of this business. You can't get any lower of a job than being in the mail room. And I mean that sincerely. I mean, that's where a lot of big names started in this business. Like a lot of comics started open mics and worse. This guy was in the mail room at Triad Artist, which literally isn't even around anymore. I used to go pick this guy up when he didn't even have a car. And we would go to hockey games and he would have to make phone calls to Steven Seagal telling him how good the script was for Under Siege 7. Uh, come on now, Stevie Wonder could have seen how bad that was. And now he's one of the uh, elite talent managers in the game today. We'll get into who he manages later, but I really want you guys to listen. It's kind of like the Barry Katz podcast I did where a lot of people got knowledge from that. Please put your hands together for the one, the only, a man I've known since he was a stick boy from the Los Angeles Kings. You talk about getting lower than the mailroom job. That's about it. Mr. Jason Barrett. Wow. Thank you, Earl. God, do I feel. Yes, we we have a history, you and I. But that's a, I really want people to get motivation from this yeah. podcast to go, oh, yeah. you can start at. And I didn't mean to say that about the mailroom. I mean, no, you're right, though. But it's you're right. The, is that not the most beginning position you can have in this business? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll you know, the mailroom is where you know David Geffen and many, many, many uh, big people have started. It's it was really the only way to start in the entertainment business. Um, you know, for a long, long time, it still is. I mean, it's it's a business that you have to pay your dues and the strong survive. And, you know, it was one thing I will say, you know, you mentioned triad, we can get into this in a little bit. I, I actually was lower than the mail room in that one. I was in the copy room because I was still 17. I think I was just graduating Beverly Hills high school. And somehow I got my way into the copy room at triad artists at 10, 100 Santa Monica Boulevard in century city. And I was working two days a week there after school, and then I was the stick boy for the Kings at the same time. So those are two pretty, yes, pretty low menial jobs, but jobs that I think most who wanted to be in those industries probably would have taken in a second at that age, you know? Well, I look at what you were doing as like when I started uh, stand-up, which, you know, I tell this story a lot. People ask me, how did you get into stand-up? And it was a group of guys, you, the great Eric Handler, who is now a motivational guru, <laughs> which is good now that Tony Robbins is having some problems. Uh, Eric can just slide right in there. But you guys, positive. Yeah. Uh, you guys were the ones who said, get into stand up, we'll help you. And then I say the famous line of, they all left the business to get into real estate, except for you. Yeah. You know, Earl, I, I, and I say this, and, you know, we'll, we, you know, we can talk through the, 
trajectory on both our ends, but, but the, the amount of respect that I have for you and yes, we, we met when we were kids and we played hockey together. We, we used to play pickup hockey on Thursday nights and Sunday nights at Culver city ice rink, which is no longer, um, the Kings practice there. And we would, the only ice time we could get would be midnight and 1am and we would all play hockey together. We met Earl there and we'd stink after the game and everybody'd hang out and they'd just talk after a two hour hockey game oh. Earl was trying to pick fights with trying to find guys to fight on the ice. Cause he was addicted to hockey fight tapes as was I. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's amazing to see your commitment, what you've done. You know, I was at the comedy store last week and, you know, hearing people talk about you there and they say, you know, you're one of the hardest working guys in comedy and to see again, and I know you haven't even scratched the surface yet in your career, but you're definitely, your arrow is pointed up. Um, I really look at that and I, I, I have tremendous respect for you in that. So it's a good, it's a good thing for both, you know? Well, I mean, I have respect for what you do because, uh, being a lone foot soldier in this business for the majority of, uh, my tenure has made me realize what key roles managers play in this business. Like, you know, my experience on the Comedy Central show was uh, well talked about with Barry Katz, yeah. uh, which is probably my favorite episode I've ever done just because he came at it from one uh, side and uh, I came at it from my side. And it made me look at how what you guys do is as important as what I do. Yeah. Maybe more important. Well, uh, I mean, I again, we're, we're never, managers are never... Um, or shouldn't be the stars, you know, um, you know, I, in my day to day, you know, always would rather be the guy who's behind the scenes and not be the guy who's in front of the scenes. I mean, to be honest, I, and I say this, I, you know, I spoke at UCLA extension class that a friend had and did one other thing, but I've been asked to talk on, you know, about the business and give insight and stuff. And I usually would rather stay behind the scenes just because the people that I work with and the clients that I've built through, you know, 23, 24 years in this business now are, they're the stars. They're the ones it's about them. They're the CEOs of their own companies, each of them. And, you know, we're the ones that, yes, we have to be good at what we do and we have to be smart and strategic and all those things. But without the talent and the person to talk about, we're selling air. And so, you know, you, you, you realize that, you're lucky to represent the people that you do. And if you can go along the journey with them and make a difference and get them to a level that allows people to see them for the talent that they have, then that is a win for both, you know? Well, I just, my first uh, look at the business from your side was a, a couple of years ago. Uh, I had audition for uh, the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. And, uh, you know, the first year I auditioned, I, I did good, but I, probably wasn't ready uh, second year I did really good nothing third year I got a call back and the two people on my call back who uh, got the eventual festival uh, had bombed I mean literally the, between the two of them they didn't get one laugh and I saw that they got it so the next year I auditioned and the guy looked at me and goes you know why you didn't get it right I'm like no I'm, I really don't can you tell me he's like well they had managers you don't so, uh, I guess that's the frustrating thing about the business for a lot of people is you see, um, certain people 
guest stuff just because who they have behind them. Right. Um, but, but I get that part of the business. Like you want to work with, I mean, networks want to work with, let's just say you and without mentioning, you know, some of your clients, you know, comedy central Netflix, yeah. uh, you know, they see you represent star a, they might help one of your other clients so they can work with star a down the road. Right. They do. Yes. But, but Earl, here's what I will say. The way you've laid that out, there is some truth to it, but it's also kind of a short term mentality because star a, who's not that talented and is just getting a break based on having a manager is not somebody that's going to go the long, long road that, that that's a quick fix to put somebody out there who, unless they're really good, is going to have a really good career. Yes, the answer is with a push, with favors, with relationships, you can get somebody in the door. Um, but like I always say, with talent, the cream rises to the top, and you better be good. Um, because as quickly as you get in, you can be shown the door. So management helps. Listen, it all. There's no equation that allows you to get to where you want to get in the entertainment business. It's a home run business. It's unorthodox. And, you know, you want to stack the deck as much as you can, of course, but you better be fucking good. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I saw that with, uh, the comedy central show roast battle that I'm yeah. on, uh, you know, some of the people who, uh, got their breaks, uh, didn't have 10 minutes of stand up. Yeah. So now you're on TV and, either a club or TV shows like, Hey, we want you to do stand up," And, uh, you know, it hurt them actually. It hurt them. It's like, it's like there was a, there was back in the day, um, when I was an agent, uh, and we can talk about that a little in a bit, but, or whenever you want, but they would put actors in starring roles in movies that weren't ready to do that yet. And then they would be terrible and the movie would come out and flop and they would get bad reviews. And guess what? You would never see them again. So they'd like, they blow, you know, they, they, they get this break that they shouldn't have gotten. They should have done smaller roles and built up to that. Just like in comedy, you know, you're, you're, you're being strategic about how you build your foundation. It's like a house, right? You know, you build the foundation properly. The house isn't going to fall down. Um, it's the same in most businesses and definitely in entertainment. You have to be ready for that opportunity. And I remember there were a lot of examples back when I was a first year agent of people starring in movies that weren't ready. And then they never did it again. And those movies didn't work. And the studios lost millions and millions of dollars because of those decisions, you know? Well, you get one crack, it seems. Uh, you know, I know, I mean, I'm an action movie guy. So right. there was that run of movies uh, in the late 80s, early 90s with like uh, Seagal and Van, Van Damme, Damme, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, or the two big ones. And then... Yeah. They gave this guy Jeff Speakman, who was like yeah. a karate expert. Yeah. Like a legit, and that's the funny thing. He, out of all these guys, was the most legit badass. Yeah. And they gave him a role. You could tell he hadn't really acted a lot. Yeah. It's called The Perfect Weapon. <laughs> right. Which I didn't think was that bad of a movie. Right, right. But it bombed, and I literally don't think I've seen him in anything since. He literally had one shot. I mean, there was the guy. There was the guy who was in Starship Troopers, who was a great-looking guy, with the with the jaw and the whole thing. Really sweet guy, Casper Van Dien. Oh yeah, I remember, remember him? him. So really, and again, I I mean, just thinking about it as you talk, and you know, really nice guy, probably a great work ethic, 
they started giving him movies off Starship Troopers and, you know, they didn't work. The performances weren't great. And, you know, slowly but surely, you don't see the longevity in these people. You know, part of my whole thing, you know, what I tried when I started my management company was to try to look at the long in all of this. Do I, you know, do these people, do I believe in them? Do I want to be looking back 20 years from now and say, I made a difference in the career? And do I think that they are capable of having a long career? And that, that, that is, everyone's, everyone in this business on my side, on your side, and comedy and action and musician, everyone's in a rush. Everyone's in a rush. Everyone's rushing to succeed, you know? And, 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 and I'm a big believer in, you stay in something long enough, you can get lucky. And then when you get lucky, you can then show people that you're good. But if you don't stay in it long enough and you, you, you rush and you make decisions like that, the chance for a long career and a smart career and a career that people can look back on and be respectful of like what you've done is very, very difficult, you know, very difficult. Well, it's like I made a joke, uh, Saturday at the comedy store about Dolph Lundgren. You know, he was Rocky Four. He didn't have to really talk a lot. He just had this great body. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a great role for him. It's like, you don't even really have to act. You just just show your body. And, uh, you know, he got a role right after that called Masters of the Universe, which was his big shot at, okay, this is the guy from Rocky Four. People will come to see this movie because it's Drago. And, uh, there's a great documentary on Netflix. Uh, it's about the two guys who uh, ran uh, Golan Globus. Yeah, Mano uh, yeah, Menahem Golan and, and yeah. uh, I forget Yoram Globus. Right, yeah. and uh, they did a part about that uh, movie in that they had to make it more. Masters of the Universe is about He Man, right? You know, and Dolph Lundgren was uh, very hard to understand because he spoke with a Scandinavian accent. He wasn't the best actor right. when he had to actually act. Right. Uh, so they had to make the mo whole movie about Skeletor, the bad guy, who's Frank Langella, like this <laughs> legendary actor. Yeah. I'd love to see who roped him into that movie. <laughs> right. And Dolph Lundgren kind of went from that's his starring role to, you know, straight to, at the time, video movies. And, yeah. you know, he had a bit of a resurgence with uh, The Expendables, which was nice to see. But, yeah. uh, you know, you really do get one. There's too much money on the line. There's too much money on the line and the business has changed so much. It's not what it used to be. I mean, you know, back in the day there were video, you know, Blockbuster Video and all these video stores and Tower on Sunset, all these places that, you know, you could go see straight to video movies. You'd see guys doing six of them a year making a living. And as a rep, I used to tell my actors, you, may, you know, if you needed a job, you could potentially do one, but I always would not want them to do that, right? But some of these people would do three, four. And, you know, in today's world, it's changed so much. There are no more video stores. You know, you, you buy your stuff on your phone. And so more people are doing content that just kind of, you know, floats into the universe. Um, and you can get away with it. But it's changed so much that, yes, the guys you're talking about were just making a living doing what they could because back to the cream rises to the top thing. They weren't that talented. Talent always wins, you know, in the long run. I mean, I like to think so. I sit in a lot in the world of stand-up, uh, you know, which is overpopulated now. You know, everyone has specials now, and, you know, specials aren't really even that special anymore. It's like, it used to be, like, 
you know, the old story of David Brenner saying he got the Tonight Show and literally, you know, I know younger people are like, who's David Brenner? But he's the legend. Uh, he said the next day he had a year's work, a year's worth of TV and movie deals and uh, road work. And, you know, now because there's so much comedy on TV, I think, what are there, five or six uh, late night talk shows that have yep. stand up to varying degrees. There's uh, Showtime, there's Netflix, uh, there's Comedy Central. Uh, Hulu, I think, does uh, stand-up. Logo caters to gay stand-up specials. So it's like, you know, it's harder than ever to almost make it in the world of stand-up because it's so overpopulated with, uh, you know, content that you're right, that the true comics uh, and the talented ones will will stay in the game. You know, the ones who are in it for, you know, just, oh, I want to do a special or, you know, I don't know if they'll last. So see, so here's where the phone and the internet changed everything for the worse. Okay. So in the film and television, let's call it the film business. Okay. When I was at ICM as a first year agent at the age of 24, 25 years old, there were movies that every weekend would be out. They were called vehicles. So, you know, you'd get, uh, Matt Dillon and Flamingo Kid, you'd get Reese Witherspoon and Legally Blonde, you'd get Tom Cruise and Risky Business, you'd get, you know, these are just examples. So there were movies that allowed an actor to have a vehicle. When that movie worked, that actor became the man and broke through and ended up then becoming what you call a movie star. So in the comedy space, and again, I'm, I'm talking as much as I was involved in some comedy in the agency business, but more, you know, more on the dramatic side of a lot of it. I think it was, it, you know, it was kind of the same thing and is the same thing because when the phone came out, when the internet broke, all of the air of mystery that allowed people to go to the movie theaters and spend back then $8, $10, whatever it was, all of that air of mystery got taken away because movie stars didn't have it anymore because of the accessibility of the internet, right? So it's kind of the same, like as a comedian, think of all the comedians that were breaking back then, Chris Rock and Adam Sandler and the Sandler movies back then that were every weekend, he was opening to 40, $50 million at the, when he had his deal at Sony. And just, again, it's, it's the same theory. I think that recently, Social media has been great because there's a lot more outlets for content. So you can get your content made because there's a lot more outlets for it. But the idea of really breaking as a, as a comedy or dramatic star has become harder and harder because the buyers aren't providing vehicles anymore um, for you to do that. Think about the movie business. You have... You go to a movie, what do you have? You have Marvel, you have DC, you have horror. That's it. Marvel, DC, horror. Occasional musical, once in a while, if you're lucky enough to get them made. That's it. So where do you go to watch a real movie? You know where you go? You go to cable television. The cable television business has become the independent movie business. So it's, it's and, and again, I assume in the comedy space, Earl, and you can speak a lot more clearly than I can for that. 
it's harder and harder and harder because there's so much content and so many comedians to break out because, and you can go on the internet and you can go on your phone. You know, your phone is like a walking television. Your phone is, is more important than anything in the world right now when it comes to content, right? So there's so many more choices for people. So it's, 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 it's the wild west right now. And it's only going to become more and more complicated, which is yes, you need smart people around you that are strategic that try to be ahead of what this stuff is that, you know, are constantly teaching themselves to try to be ahead of this whole kind of crazy wild, wild West. Well, I think in some ways it's, uh, the technology has made it easier and harder. Like in just this podcast, podcasting in general, uh, you know, it's a great way to get a fan base. Uh, it's a great way to expose yourself to, you know, someone listening to this podcast is in Canada right now. Uh, or I get fans in the UK, uh, which is great. It exposes me to people who normally would not know who I am. Uh, but it also is so easy to do a podcast that any idiot can do one. I mean, literally, all you need is a H4N recorder, which is 200 bucks on Amazon, and two mics. And a homeless person right. could have a podcast tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but it goes back to what you're saying, the cream rises to the top. I mean, I do believe that talent, uh, I like to say talent doesn't get you in the door. It keeps you in the door. Absolutely. Uh, but Absolutely. it does over flood the marketplace. I mean, uh, even TV now is like, I have Netflix. It's like, geez, there's like a hundred new shows. It seems. Uh, how do you watch it all? I mean, you, you gotta be a hermit. I mean, how do you have a somewhat of a social life? Um, yeah. work, you know, to be able to keep up with the amount of content that's out there. It, it, it's it's challenging. I mean, I go on recommendations. People say, hey, you should check out this uh, show or you should check out this comedy special. I mean, comedy specials I don't really watch because I, I don't want to take ideas or not jokes, but like I would never steal a joke. But like, you know, I don't, oh, this person's talking about, I, I better not talk about that. Right. Uh, but I, you know, like uh, my girlfriend uh, recommended me She's like, you love Sons of Anarchy. You love the movie Point Break. There's this show on TNT called Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Rachel. And I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Like, it's like, but you know, it flew under my radar just because, you know, there's just probably a hundred shows uh, on air every week that you, you could watch. Right. You know, there's the Mayans, which I watched because I like Sons of Anarchy. But yeah. so I just, Animal Kingdom just flew under my radar. But man, it's a great show. It's a great. It's a great show. Yeah, it's it's uh, there's a lot of choice. And um, with a lot of choice, there's a lot of people that are out there that are talented. Um, so there's a lot more work for people. But actually getting breaking out from that work in today's environment with the internet and with social media is tougher. Now, when you do break out, and you do get out of the pack, the rat race, the treadmill, then what you can do from a financial perspective and a creative perspective, sky's the limit. Oh yeah. I mean, sky's the limit. there's yeah. shows that make it that I'm like, oh, I don't get this. And then, yeah. I mean, I was on, I'm dying up here and I don't mean yeah. to like plug my own, you know, projects, but that was a show to me that was amazing to be on. Just Melissa Leo won an Oscar. Yeah. 
like so yeah. the acting was there and then the, the guest stars you know alfred molina and yeah. and all these you know amazing character actors and and you know all the comics on it were like the top comics working right now and they're all good actors andrew santino and al madrigal and eric griffin and and it you know couldn't get an audience you know lasted two seasons and it's like the writing was great but see Earl, that that that's where comedians actors personalities whoever always surround yourself with people that are better than you or are respected because we're in we work in a business of fear nobody likes nobody has the balls to step up and say i'm going to take this shot it's a it's it's you know, especially in corporate America today, it's like everybody likes to hedge their bets. Everybody likes to cast or hire the person who's hot or cool. But what happens is if you surround yourself with great people, it is so much harder for that executive to not hire you because they can go to their boss and they can say, wait a minute, this guy's really interesting. You know, he just starred with Melissa Leo and he just starred with this person, that person, and it gives them more validity. And again, the business is based most, it's a really, people are scared. People don't want to lose their jobs, decisions, you know, split second decisions can influence stock prices. I mean, it's a really, really tricky thing. And you have to be very, very, very confident to bet on people in today's environment. Um, so surround yourself with great people and that's always your fastest way to succeed. You know, I tell my, a lot of my clients when we're picking television series to do and during pilot season, I say, sometimes like if it's a jump ball, I'm always going to head, I'm always going to go to the better showrunner. I'm always going to go to, you know, the, the studio and the network that are owned by the same company. You know, these are little tricks that give you a better opportunity for success. Um, these are things that I have to, in my toolbox, I have to always use to advise clients and that, you know, and again, I'm not always going to be right, but I'm hopefully going to be right more than I'm wrong. You know, but even from your end, you don't really know what shows are going to hit. Like if you would have told me, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, that sons of anarchy would be the hit that it was, I'd be like, wait a minute, uh, Ron Perlman's going to be the yeah. leader of a hell's angels yeah. type gang. And Charlie Hunnam, who's like this amazing looking guy uh is gonna be like the, the co-leader like it, that just doesn't seem believable to me and look how wrong i, I would have been or there are so many times Earl, in my career that i've had situations where there's no possible way that's going to work and it works and then the other one that's loaded that you're like how could that not work doesn't work i mean i i have countless examples things i've been involved with in my career that have been like that. So you never know. I mean, casting is something that I've always been fascinated with, and it gets me into one of your clients in a current, uh, the, the smash, uh, I guess you could call it a movie. It's a Netflix. I mean, what do you call a movie on Netflix, a movie, or is it a Netflix? Well, this one, this one was, this one was part of our whole situation on that was, it was going to come out, uh, on in theaters as well. Right. Came out on some limited theaters. Um, um, we're talking about the Ted, the Ted Bundy, Bundy movie, yeah, a movie uh, yeah. starring Zac Efron, yeah. which goes to the casting of like, if you would have told me five years ago, hey, uh, this kid from the Disney, uh, Disney 
uh, yeah, High School Musical is going to play maybe the most murderous uh, serial killer. I mean, they don't even know how many murders this guy did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they yeah. they caught they him for think, like, right? They, they caught him for like twenty, right? But they yeah. believe he could have uh, murdered another thirty five or I, something. I mean, yeah, nobody. I mean, nobody knows. And 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 again, so true, Earl. I mean, I, God, I mean, Zach. It's you're right. High School Musical and. <clears throat> to see the versatility, I'm so proud of him. Um, it's been a long road. We've been together since he was 16 years old. He and I started, uh, he was shooting High School Musical, the original. And I had started my company about, I, so I was at, so just back up. I started in the mailroom at ICM, uh, went through that, became an agent, uh, had, you know, a bunch of clients. Our CEO left, who I was loyal to, a guy named Jim Wyatt, great guy. <clears throat> and uh, about 15 to 17 agents left with him when their contracts were up. I was loyal. I followed Jim to William Morris. Most of the clients, with the exception of, I think, one came with me. Um, was at William Morris for about three, four years as an agent. Same thing, running around the world, signing, doing, figuring out. And then I burned out. And I just, life was, I, 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 my life was a groundhog day. Because people don't realize yeah. how long uh, the hours you guys work. I mean, oh typically God. you're up at, you know, seven or eight because you got to deal with East Coast people and, and overseas people. And same at the tail end of the day, you're, you're in the office till eight, nine, and then you have to go to a premiere or I mean, set. literally, literally, this was why I left the agency business. I mean, it was the treadmill. I would, this is what it was, Groundhog Day, you ready? <clears throat> Here it is. Wake up at 5.30, go to the gym, get into the office, 7, 7.15. Uh, prep for my nine o'clock staff meeting, get into the staff meeting, have a staff meeting, I wanna vomit. Uh, get out of the staff meeting, 10.15, go return calls for an hour, be done with calls, go to a meet and greet down the hall of an actor that I've heard of once, but that I gotta go shake their hands, go to lunch, have a lunch, come back, return calls for, uh, uh, 30 minutes, go to another meet and greet, uh, do that. Then somebody comes up to talk about their movie opening, then go to a drinks. Then after that, have a dinner, maybe a screening, get home at 1130, pass out on the couch, had a girlfriend, pass out on her. She's like, wait a minute, I never see you. Wake up over and over and over again. This was for five, this was, and again, a lot of this was as a first year agent and when I was younger coming up, it was really difficult. Um, but I knew there was a better way to do it <clears throat> for me. And by the way, some of my best friends are now running these agencies, guys I came up with. Most of those agencies now, and you know, those guys that were doing that, they're now in high-level positions at those agencies, and my hat's off to them. I didn't have the fire in my belly to do that. I was the anomaly out of that group. And so I thought to myself, what is a better way to do it? And at the time, I was 32. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. And I was able to take a shot. And, you know, I was very lucky that I had a couple clients that pushed me and believed in me to start my own business. Um, and so I did it. And, you know, there were a lot of the few friends were starting some of the bigger management companies at the time that are out now that wanted me to come join them and some of the other places that were already, you know, established said, why don't you come over here and 
you know, you can be a senior guy with us and eventually run this and do this. I just wanted to be left alone. I was so burnt out. I literally just started my own company. A guy named Brad Cravoy, who's in the business. He's great. He produced all the Dumb and Dumber movies. He was the CEO of Motion Picture Corp of America. I remember all those comedies they did back in the day. Still a dear friend of mine. Great guy. Brad said, you know what? Take an office down by the beach in my, in my, cute, you know, my little bank of places and just breathe. And that four months that I did that changed my life, to be honest. It changed my life personally. Uh, it changed my life. It gave me a, re, a, a rebirth of representation because I could do it my way. And I went from literally when I was an agent, when I was peaking, before I left, I probably 300 calls a day, 250, maybe more. Never could return all the calls, stress. And I started that first week having uh, my company, maybe at 10 calls, 12 calls, but I loved it. I felt free. I would like, I had two clients. Um, I'd walk down the beach after lunch. I'd just walk on ocean and just, I could think again. I could, I could, I could really get back into what was important to me, which was not being in meetings, not going to meet and greets. It was about representing talent and finding talent, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, a lot of your side of the business is also putting out fires, which is mentally draining, you know, stars having a bad day or a bad review of a movie or a TV show. You deal with that. I mean, I remember a few phone calls you made uh, when we were driving to King Games. I won't say with what actors, but, uh, you know, you're trying to, like, make them feel better about you know, uh, scripts that, you know, maybe weren't the best. And, uh, I mean, it's a mental, I don't think people realize no matter what side of the business you're on, it's mentally draining. It's mentally draining. I mean, I like to say that we're air traffic controllers. That's what, you know, first of all, I say to everybody, you want to be a representative in Hollywood. It's not a film degree. It's a psychology degree. That is the most important, like I'm telling you and I'm honest, man. I, I, I tell my clients the way it is. I am honest. I don't lie. I tell the truth. Sometimes it's difficult to accept the truth. Um, but a psychology degree, because you deal with so many ups and downs, man, 90% of it's negative also. The t but see, what happens is we all, it's kind of like a drug addict in a way, right? We're all chasing that high. When we, when we get that big job, or that movie opens, or that special works, or, or that TV series premieres, and it's, it's a top 10 show. We all get that high, right? And then we're chasing it, because then other stuff doesn't work, but we all know how that made us feel. <clears throat> you know how it makes us feel. We all have egos, right? Everyone has an ego. Oh, Everybody sure. wants to be commended for their work, so it feeds our egos. We are happy for our clients. They can make a living. We make a living. So it's a business of everyone trying to, you know, kind of follow what that feeling or, or find that feeling and keep reinventing that feeling over and over again. You know, I was, when I was telling the story just of coming up, it was related to Zach because I was telling it for a reason. The reason was <clears throat> when I started my company, there was a woman named Bonnie Lightkey. And Bonnie Lightkey, I don't know if you know her or not. I take boxing with her. Oh, do you really? Yeah. 
Okay, so Bonnie is one of the most amazing people. I love her. And Bonnie was one of the biggest agents when she, she had a small agency, but she was so, so respected still is as a manager. She's manager now. Bonnie found, you know, she worked with Leo from the beginning DiCaprio and she's, you know, found a ton of young actors. And when I started my company, Bonnie was one of the first people who sent me five audition tapes. And, you know, it's very hard for people to just give you things. I don't, it just never happens. But Bonnie sent me five audition tapes and said, take a look at these actors. See if you want to meet any of them. They're, they're all looking for management. Very rare to have that happen. I looked at them. Three of the tapes I just didn't, it didn't, I didn't respond to. And uh, two of them I did. And one of them was a kid named Zac Efron. And the only thing that he had done was a, um, he was on an Aaron Spelling show called Summerland. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that show. I do. Was that was Lori Laughlin on that show? Could have been. Uh -oh. I, think, I think she was. I hope she was. <laughs> she was. Get that residuals. <laughs> She's gonna need it. So, in any case, uh, I met Zach and his mother, and we had a great meeting. And uh, but I found out he was taking five other meetings. This is before he had done anything. You know, still back then it was very competitive to sign good-looking leading people, even if they hadn't broken yet. They were on a show, so managers wanted to sign them, and you know. In our meeting, he says to me, uh, we're talking. I'm like, yeah, you know, Summerlin, blah, blah, blah. He says, yeah, and I'm, I'm doing this thing called High School Musical, but, you know, I, for the Disney Channel and, you know, uh, you know who knows what it's going to be and this and that. And I thought that he was in a scene or two of a thing called High School Musical on the Disney Channel. You know, I think both of us thought, okay, so that comes and goes, whatever. What I saw in him was a sparkle and an accessibility from the Summerlin scenes. Um, lo and behold, we go, he invites me to a screening of High School Musical. And uh, we go to Disney to see it. <clears throat> All these young kids that are starring in it, him being one. And I realize he's the lead of the show of this thing. Still, I'm looking at it. I go, oh, this is fun. And he's great and talented. But like, you know, what, what's that going to really do? We could, you know use it as tape, this and that. Uh, three weeks later, it comes out, and uh, his, his life changed. My life changed. Um, and uh, that's what I'm talking about, remembering the highs. And, you know, those things, though, are very rare. You get maybe one of those every 10 years. You, right. know, you get Twilight. You get High School Musical. You get Grease. You get uh, Game of Thrones. You get, you know... There's a franchise that's born every seven to 10 years that creates culture awareness and, and hits the zeitgeist. Um, you can't rely on those things because they're very rare, but if you're lucky enough to be involved with the, a situation like that, man, that was an amazing time. Oh, yeah. You're always uh, chasing that high. But I also think you have to go, once you get that high, what's next? Yeah. Because I see a lot of people in the stand-up world specifically, they get on a Conan, they get on uh, really anything, get their own special, and they think, "Oh, I'm just going to be famous tomorrow." Yeah, and they don't plan, you know. And and that's, uh, I think, in this business, you would certainly be able to speak at it more than I would. Is seems to me you have to look two steps ahead. You know, we're all it's it's in anything. It's um. <clears throat> when you are involved in something like that, it's what you say no to 
for the future for for as you're developing a career everybody wants to give you everything and what they know you can do remember i said back to a fear-based business everybody wants to at that point give you all the musicals <clears throat> they want to give you all the things that are the low-hanging fruit and as a young man right to have the wherewithal and the um experience per se in your gut to turn down jobs which zach had okay i give him a tremendous amount and most of the credit that through this trajectory that he and i have gone through to where he is today with bundy and with greatest showman and all the career that he's had which still in his mind and my mind he hasn't scratched the surface yet yes he's getting closer and closer we have a lot more work to do but to watch him turn down the things that he did, believe in himself the way he did, um, is remarkable. And more than not, you see young, especially young heartthrobs, okay, you can name them, you can name 10 of them, that have this moment and then they make one or two wrong decisions because all this money's coming at them. And what ends up happening is the moment is over and you don't get it back. But the people that have the moment that are strategic and first and foremost have the gut of their own, secondly, surround themselves with smart people, those are the people that more than not are the ones that become the stars of today. I mean, I mean, it's, it's no, it's no um, fluke. Brad Pitt's been with the same manager and agent for his whole career. Um, Leo DiCaprio's been with the same manager his whole career. Um, you know, you can make a list of most of the stars. Will Smith has been with the same <clears throat> manager and agency for most of his career, if not his whole career. You know, that is called loyalty, but it's also called a specific bond that through the ups and downs, because there's a lot of them, you guys stay close and you believe in each other. And that that's something that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm always, I mean, I, most of my clients I've been with for a long, long time and, and, you know, we all lose them. I mean, I've disagreed with clients and lost them before when I was an agent and a few, when I've been a manager, sometimes the connection goes away and you just don't see the same vision. But, you know, when you're in the foxhole together and you believe in one another, there's nothing more powerful. You know? Well, I've seen it with comics a lot where they leave the people who got them there and then they never quite get the same level of success because they kind of forget, oh, you know, Joe Schmo got me on Showtime or HBO or this movie or Netflix. I don't need them anymore. But then they go with maybe the someone else. They and trade up. Yeah, or they think they're trading up. They think up. they're trading up, right. And then, you know, they that person doesn't have the same care that the right. first manager did. And, uh, you know, uh, I've seen that a lot in stand-up, and I'm sure it happens. And, and You know what? It's, and, it's, and it's hard. I know it sounds like weird and like um, there's something about starting with someone and having the success when they break. Um, and, yes, there's examples of people that have gone to other representatives in their career and their big stars and all that. But there's a certain thing, especially, listen, I'm a big believer in this. 
if you're not doing the job and you don't believe in your person and you don't think that they are capable of guiding your career, don't be loyal. Like loyalty, you don't need to be loyal to be loyal. Like if I'm not good and you don't believe in me and you don't think I'm working hard or you don't think, you don't have to be loyal. But when you do believe that someone has, when you can look at someone and say, all right, let's see what they've done for various people. And wow, they have done that. That's interesting. And you guys have a vibe to then not be loyal to go to somebody who might have bigger clients. That's the mistake. That's the mistake. But I think sometimes when they, oh, I absolutely, I agree. You know, when you go with someone who has bigger clients, they're going to take care of those clients. Right. They're not necessarily going to take care of you. Like, and you guys don't have that. And that person doesn't have that thing. Remember I talked about, I think briefly earlier on, but like, you know, intuition is so important in this business in front of the camera, behind the camera. <clears throat> intuition is key. And when you have that magic with somebody and you trade up, for the bigger and better name that you don't necessarily have the magic with, but they have the bigger and better name foundation isn't there. So you're, you're on your own. You're putting yourself again. That doesn't mean you can't be a rock star, but it's a lot more pressure on you without that thing that is kind of hard to, um, you know, define. Uh, well, I mean, I'd rather be a, a big fish in a small pond. Like I'd rather be with someone like, and you're certainly, you know, you have a lot of clients, but you know, I'd rather be with someone like you than say you're at, uh, you know, William Morris or, I mean, I know they're agencies versus Same managers, like bigger management but they have like, you know, <clears throat> 500 people there. You're just going to be, all right, let's right. throw Earl out on this thing. And, uh, but a smaller person who actually cares about their clients is going to go, okay, Earl, we got five things for you. I think you'd be right for you know but you know some people get uh they want to be with the masses they want to yeah i don't i mean <clears throat> earl it's why i set my company up you know when i left what i wanted to do 14 years ago is i wanted to create a company that was boutique ultimately had 75 or 100 clients four or five managers a digital play a business guy you know, just a really kind of smart think tank of intelligent people. And my goal was there was that instead of having me competing with the agencies, because most clients have agents and managers in today's world, I think it's, I think it's important just because there's, it, it's so competitive. You, you know, you want to have competitive advantage and for the extra amount of money, if you succeed, it well pays itself. But the point is, I wanted to have a company that would work closely with the, you know, cause I was an agent for a long time. So a lot of the guys that I came up with in the business that were in mailrooms and young executives are now running Netflix and Warner brothers and all these places. So we kind of had like a, we all came up together. Um, but I felt for my people that if I kept it lean each day we came in, we weren't, you know, we have a meeting on Monday mornings and we have a meeting on Fridays before the weekend. We catch up on what we're reading. We talk about strategy. <clears throat> but I'm not in meetings every day other than that. Granted, I have to go before, you know, pilot season. I'll go figure out what the streaming services are doing or I'll go to the networks and have lunches. But I'm not in a lot of meetings. So for me, my time is really, I'm like, I always say every client is the CEO of their own business, okay? 
You want to put me as the president, the co-president with the agent, whatever you want to do. You're the CEO of your own business. What I am is I'm sitting in my office and I'm having to advise the CEO of however many of these, you know, 15 or 20, let's say that I'm working on, maybe 15 or 20 that my other managers are working on. But we have to advise each CEO who is the actor or personality that we're representing on how to grow their business. And that's, that's, so if I keep it lean and small, now here's the thing, here's the caveat. I better pick right. If I don't pick right, lean and mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that great. If I pick right and I am able to build the right shows and the right movies and have the right people on television and in film and, and, and in the digital space and all these things, then I'm, I'm in a great place and I'm providing the service that I'm selling my client. If I pick wrong and no one's working, then I got to figure it out. I mean, it's hard to pick right these days with all the options. I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, you know, but it, you've been in the business now, what, 25 years or tw- 20 to I started at, I started at, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I started at ICM when I was, uh, 23 in the mailroom. And I, yeah, so it's been 20, 24, 25 years. Yeah. So you've got uh, the, the, the brain to uh, pick right most of the times, uh, but you won't be right 100% of the times. Earl, it's hard. We see a lot of tapes. You know, it's hard also because we can't take, I can't take the shots I used to. It's really hard. I can't, I can't take the shots I used to because of what I told you about breaking stars. It's very hard to break a star and it's very hard to find work. So we need to sign at a certain level. And I hate to say that because unemployed actors will be like, oh yeah, man, he doesn't want me now. But if I get, you know, Dick Wolf's new show at CBS or I get that movie, you know, Alchemy's going to be all over me. Well, yes and no. I mean, I wouldn't be good for you before that because I'm not trafficking in the circle that maybe I was at 25 or 26 years old. So I need what I and the group that I have assembled, we need to figure out who are people. And again, we don't poach, by the way. I don't poach. Someone has a manager. They have a manager. I'm not, I'm talking, we need to like look for talent that either doesn't have management. Maybe they left their manager and they are going to eventually look for management. But we need to identify talent like that. We need to be on the internet looking for interesting people that are multi-hyphenates, um, you know? I mean, gone are the days of just signing the actor out of Sundance that is in an independent movie. Sure, you can do it if the movie is amazing, but there's so many more avenues today in entertainment that A, are more lucrative, and B, allow you to get to your common goal quicker. Oh, yeah, like I had no idea the money there is in voiceovers. Crazy. Until now, uh, crazy. And by the way, congratulations to you. Well, I mean, I'll take it on the role. I mean, on this this jelly. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's just luck. You know, Tyler, the creator, is like this massive star, and this album's number one. Uh, I mean, amazing. it's very uh, motivating to be around someone like him. I mean, this guy gets it. You know what, Earl? And I want to say something else to you. You know, you have reinvented yourself in the comedy space. I mean, I. I mean, I remember all those years you coming up and wearing the jerseys and, 
you know, no, seriously, and 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 completely, and 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 I haven't seen the show in a little bit. I know I tried to see it last week, and you and I missed each other. But you know, from what I hear from the comedy circles and talking to people, I mean, you, <coughs> excuse me, you did an about face, and really, as much as your act, I know there's certain things that you still do. There's, you know, you've really kind of reinvented yourself. Um, in a way that's allowed you to continue to do what you do. And I watched some of the videos of Roast Battle last night before I got on with you standing up there with no shirt and battling that guy, a few of these guys, seeing Kevin Hart and David Spade and, you know, hearing the way they talk about you. And, right. you know, you're, 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 you're one of those guys that, like, that right break is right around the corner. It, it's it's going to happen. It's well, just a matter, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I think I'm at the point, and I, I didn't want to have you on to talk about me, but like it is, uh, like I am, like here you have Zach Efron, you know, LL, yeah. uh, you know, these massive stars, and I'm at the other end of like the guy who needs that one break. Uh, I mean, I think I'm at the point now, <laughs> frankly, where I've done as much as I can on my own. Uh, you know, just because, uh, like, even the Barry Katz told me, uh, and I, I've had a few, uh, I wouldn't say meetings, but uh, general conversations uh, at the comedy store manager will come up to me and, and be like, hey, we saw you in Roast Battle, and, uh, you know, we know you were, you know, weren't the most pleased with how you were treated. Uh, what do you want from a manager? Like, best case scenario, I can get you anything you want within reason. What? Why do you want one so bad? And I, I really just said to everyone, and they all had the same answer. It's like they were reading it out of a, a manager hand guide. Uh, I said, I just want to be protected. I don't want to be the bad guy. Like, you know, when I wasn't pleased uh, with how I was being treated, I, you know, I felt I had to just talk about it, uh, you know, on Twitter and other uh, avenues, uh, podcasts. I went on a lot of podcasts and kind of vented. And they were like, well, here's what would have happened if we would have been repping you. And once again, they all had the same answer. Uh, one, you would have gotten a piece of the show. And I, I never really thought of that. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I was in the room from day one. I guess I should have been compensated. Two, you would have been on every season. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, three, you would have been able to pick who you battle. Uh, so you look good, not so they look good. Yeah. Uh, and four, you would have been on every Comedy Central show that had like guest like panels, like uh, At Midnight, uh, Drunk History, uh, The Burn, Jeselnik Show. See, that goes back to what we talked about, right? That's called strategy, right? And vision. But you, and, yeah, oh, absolutely. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, and it goes back to something Rob Schneider told me when you know this was like maybe 2010 when I was just finding my comedy okay i don't want to wear jerseys anymore i look fucking ridiculous uh i don't want to wear like i mean at one point i was going on stage in <laughs> bright yellow versace pants i trust me i remember seeing some of your <laughs> boss yeah. it was you had your hair like was like down to the middle of your back it was curly it was i mean yeah. uh yeah just i, I don't know Crazy. i found uh and rob schneider was just like dude become so good and so marketable that they have to work with you and I think he said Steve Martin told him that. Uh, you know what, Earl? It's called in everything. It's like LeBron has it in basketball. Become a student of the game, right? In anything you do. I mean, I, 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 and by the way, you 
dedicate yourself 24 seven to your craft. You're at that comedy store and these places every night. You I, have I know to. You are. I see sometimes some of your stuff when you're walking down, <clears throat> doing your live videos, you're walking in, you're like the mayor over there. Everyone respects you. You got to be a student of the game. I mean, the one thing I'll say with the clients that I represent that are really successful and the ones that are on their way that are close, right? That are on that trajectory. They're students of the game. I mean, LL Cool J, who I've represented for 24, well, 20, God, he was, he was one of my first clients, LL Cool J and a guy named Jesse Bradford, dear friend of mine, swim fan. Uh, I love swim. that movie. Yeah. Jesse and LL were my two first clients when I started Alchemy Entertainment. And, you know, if I talk about LL for a sec, I mean, I, I mean, what do you say? He's a student of the game in everything that he does. He believes he's the hardest worker. He is, I mean, he's a beast. I don't know how he does it in, he did it in music. He did it in films when he was in the film business. He came to me and he said, I want to be, this is years ago. This is like way years ago. He's like, Jason, I want to do television. I want to be an action star on TV. That's what he wanted. And we did some pilots that didn't work. And we had, you know, back to what we were talking about, about sometimes you can think that you have gold and it doesn't. I had, we had a pilot we did back in the day with the creator of CSI and the number one director and all this. We shot the pilot. We were all like, oh my God, we're, we're so set. Thing doesn't get picked up. It was awful. And, uh, you know, this guy dug deep and believed, and we, we stayed at, you know, CBS, and I give Nina Tassler tremendous credit. He used to run CBS, you know, to have the vision. Um, my partner, Richard Weitz, and I, we stayed there. And then, you know, NCIS Los Angeles came. And the work that this guy does, and then, and then um, Lip Sync Battle came. It's just like, because he's a student of the game, he believes, he works hard, he's open, he, and you know what, Earl, I got to be honest, and, and, and I'm not just saying this sitting here, I mean this, there's qualities that I've taken from him over the years that I see in you, you know, you are a student of the game, you believe, you know more about the comedy world than anybody, like your IQ of stuff is off the charts, and I say to you that, you know, you stay with it, which I know you will, and your things are just going to grow. You know? But it you took know. me a long time to, it took me probably 15 years before, you know, and I grew uh, up in the comedy world with Whitney Cummings and she yeah. was, she got it way before I did of, uh, I mean, her work ethic is to this day, like blows my mind yeah. uh, and her just, pitbull and i don't mean the singer uh type of vision she has where it's her way and she will get it done her way and she's n nice to everyone and uh it it she really uh being around her was like being in comedy college like yeah. just how she approached uh you know i saw so many times she would ask me to go right and you know, we'd be at open mics and I'd be like, I'm going to go to Jerry's with my yeah. buddies. And she went off to write. Yeah. I was like, oh, I mean, it took me a long time to go, oh, there's a, another side of this business that uh, I have to start working on, which is the networking and, yeah. and uh, you know, which gets me to social media. Yeah. Which is, I think, uh, 
nowadays it's uh whether you're an actor or a comic musician it's a very controversial uh side of the business because yeah. like i have a friend of mine uh, she's a instagram uh personality let's just say she gets headlining comedy gigs she literally doesn't have five minutes but she has over i think two million followers yeah on instagram yeah. which is so how important is that to someone like you yeah uh to see someone has a, a large social media presence yeah i mean it depends because you know social media can be um uh you know, you can look at someone with a large social media following, but then you can realize that some of that large social media following maybe necessarily isn't gotten through the ways that people should. Because you can. Are you uh, uh, I'm like, referring I'm just, to buying followers? You can buy followers. You can, you know, social media has looked at the stickiness of it as well. You can have followers, but then people, you know, uh, you know, you like to look at how loyal your fan base is of those followers. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I'm learning every day about social media. Um, obviously, I have some clients that have, you know, a lot of social media. Um, we are in the midst of, you know, we're doing a lot of stuff now with the Googles and the YouTubes and people like that and Facebook and all these, you know, different companies. Um, I think social media is beyond important. Um, I used to say, because I always wanted my clients to be more <clears throat> back to the air of mystery. Seven, eight years ago, I was kind of dissuade. I was telling my clients to kind of lay low a little bit because, you know, back then that whole thing was still important. But in today's world, it's kind of the opposite. It's kind of reversed, right? You know, buyers want to see that you have a strong social media following. Um, so, you know, you get up to a real heavy social media following and the things that you can do with that. We're in the middle of some stuff now for a few people that's kind of mind boggling. The amount of money that's out there, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy with brands and products and what you can do. I mean, you're your own, you know, I was at Air One today before I came over here, grab some lunch. And I'm standing in the line there and this thought came across because like five people are just on their phones, either emailing or looking at Instagram or doing this and doing that. Like everyone in that line is a TV, is a programmer. Everyone in that line is a programmer. You could have, you could be like me and be private on, on, on Instagram and have 288 followers and just have your friends and certain people that, you know, you know, or whatever. Or you could have 40 million followers. We're all programmers. We all, we can put out content within 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like you said about, you know, with, with, with the podcasting. So it's crazy. Yes, social media is very important. It's every day there's, there's, there's something new. Um, and I don't think that, that, you know, it also depends on what you want to do. What you're, you're the CEO, right? Back to you're the CEO. What do you want to do? You want to be <clears throat> you want to be John Malkovich? Social media might not be as important. You want to be in this environment, Dwayne Johnson? Social media is going to be very important. You want to be Ryan Gosling? Maybe a little less. You want to be, you know, Ryan Reynolds? Probably more. It just it 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 depends on what you want to do as an entertainer, you know? 
Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Like I had, uh, you know, Saturday night, it goes to, uh, you know, this whole uh, subject. Uh, I had a agent from uh, one of the three lettered agencies uh, uh, come up to me and said, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're great. I love this. I love the cartoon. Uh, you know, I liked you on I'm Dying up here. You know, he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, uh, I get a sexual high from stand-up. <laughs> right. No, I, I didn't mean it. I really meant it. Yeah. I do. Uh, I just love stand-up. I love doing it. Uh, and I'm like, I'm approaching it from the opposite. Like, I want to get on TV more. And the cartoon is certainly helping me in this area because I know that'll get me better stand-up spots. I just love stand-up. And the guy just looks at me and goes, dude, there's no money in stand-up. And I'm like, I don't care. And, I, you know, I could tell that this might not – you talk about being a good fit. Yeah, I could tell that this guy, even if he said, I want to sign you right now, yeah. uh, it just wouldn't work. So and I get it. So you're st- so so you saying that to him is equivalent to ten or fifteen years ago, or it could be now even a guy saying, "I just want to be in the theater," and someone saying, "That's great, you're amazing. I'd love to see you in the theater, but there's so much more like ways that you can, dude. I just want to be in the theater, or I just like I just want to do." that movie for low budget SAG scale. I don't want to go do like because of the art of being on the stage and the endorphin high. That's kind of similar to what you're talking about, about being on stage. Oh you yeah. Just, you, you go out there, you, you're at the, you know, you're at the laugh factory, the comedy store, whatever you're there at midnight. Most people are sleeping. They're in the fetal position, curled up Earl's out at these places doing a set. I mean that, that, that's, you know, you live a gypsy lifestyle in doing that because that gives you probably the high that I used to get when I'd run on a treadmill for 40 minutes. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, I do equate it to yeah. a sexual high. Uh, yeah. uh, but to me, I'm like saying to this guy, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm on, a, mentally, I'm trying to like put my thoughts into his brain. I'm like, right. dude, I'm on a cartoon. Just get me. I mean, I know it's not that easy to just say, just get me another one. Right. But like, you know, if you, he could walk into any animation, you know, DreamWorks, you know, any thing that's a cartoon, cartoon movie. Like, this guy's the lead on an Adult Swim cartoon. Put him on your show. Like, he's a name in the animation world. That'll get me better stand-up gigs. Yeah. And so I'm trying to, you get me, I'll get you what you want, and then I can get you what I want. And yeah, I could tell it was just wasn't registering him. You know, it's like the conversation I had with Barry Katz where, you know, Barry was like, well, dude, you forced your way to have Comedy Central use you. I'm like, well, yeah, but like, why did I have to force my way? Right. <laughs> you know, and so it just, it, you, it goes back to what you were saying that you have to be with the right person who gets your vision and you get their vision. You get there. It has to be, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, listen, you will always, if you are all, here's my take. If you were offered the lead role on a new great cable comedy that shot 10 episodes a year on Amazon, okay, or even 13, whatever, I know you, you will always do stand-up. And you've said it. You, oh, absolutely. You, you, will, you will always. I mean, obviously, if you're shooting five days a week for those 10 episodes, you might have to take a little break, but you will be 
back at the comedy store, back at the Laugh Factory, wherever you are, you will always do that because that fuels you to be who you are to be better. Oh, when I was on I'm Dying Up Here, I, I've never been so brutally tired in my life. I mean, it's minimum 16-hour days. I mean, it was yeah. just, uh, I don't know. You know, being on a show like that, it's almost ruined watching TV for me because now I analyze how long every scene took. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one simple scene uh, takes hours, uh, just even if it's with two people, because you got to get their coverage, then you get the other person's coverage, then you get the the far shot. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, I would run to the comedy store after, you know, crazy. We most days we'd start at five in the morning. Yeah. You know, you get to set, two hours of makeup or whatever, and then, you know, you're there till most nights 10 at night wow maybe longer i'd run to the comedy store and i was happy to do so but you know uh, i don't think uh you know stand-up's a weird uh i think a lot of people get into stand-up to get into movies right i'm the opposite right you know whether that's uh, a turn off to the businesses uh you know i'm starting to find out it might have been uh but you know let's put it like this nobody Earl, if you're right for a role or if you, if someone identifies something for you or if you um, get that break, nobody's not going to hire you because you're a uh, lifelong stand-up guy, et cetera. So I, 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 I think you keep doing what you're doing and you keep, you know, <clears throat> working hard and work on your material and you're going to be fine. Well, a lot of it's luck too, you know, like uh... – I got on the jellies because Tyler, the creator, just happened to go upstairs one night because Gerard Carmichael brought him to see Roast Battle. So you're going you're gonna to love this show. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. And this is like, you know, the first two years of Roast Battle was insane. I mean, it was yeah. like a very uh, politically incorrect show. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they had a rule where if it was two white comics battling that each one could say the N-word. Oh my God. Like hard version of it. And believe me, people did it. And, uh, you know, it's just the insanity of, you know, you have a black host. You know, I was the Archie Bunker-esque type heckler. Uh, you know, you had something called the all blank wave, uh, you know, and Tyler, the creator, loved it. Yeah. And it was just luck that that one night he was there, I was doing really well. When he came Bro, up you to know me. what? It's like that Gwyneth Paltrow movie, Sliding Doors. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I did not. Great, great film. Check it out. I, I mean, you know, you can go one way, you can go the other way. Like, life, you know, he walked in, um, right place, right time. But you know what? You were good. There's a little bit of luck. You could have been, been crap, and you wouldn't have got it. But yes, the point is, you know, you never know what situation is going to bring... Um, in the moment, which is why it's important to, <clears throat> as much as you can, put yourself out there and allow yourself to get lucky. And then it's what you do with it. You, know? you make your own luck. You make your own luck. And people that aren't successful or people that are angry or people that are, um, you know, looking at the people that have made it will always say, oh, he's lucky. He was lucky. He got a break. He signed that. Yeah, he was lucky. But... The reality is, and we've talked about this, is you got to be good to keep it. And well, I used to be like that. I mean, fuck, I just did you a show. you look at guys and be like. Oh, or uh, girls. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just did a show with this person there on the Tonight Show, and I'm right. doing an open mic tonight. But uh, right. now I'm more like, 
I only worry about what I can can control. You worry about what you can control. You're more zen about it. You right because that doesn't help you get to where you want to be. Well, it's whether you know the fact that they got something doesn't affect your life at all. Like they were going to get it regardless. Exactly. So, uh, what's next for uh, some of your clients? Any good things coming up? I mean, you know, we're always we're 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 always premiering new things. Um, you know, we. You know, we had, there's there's a there's a new show that we're involved with. We represent female lead on it. Uh, it's called Outmatched on Fox. It's Jason Biggs, American okay. Pie Days, right? And a really talented young lady who I've worked with for many many years named Maggie Lawson. Um, I was in New York, the upfronts. I'm really excited about that. Um, so I mean, there's you know we we again. Uh, I love. Listen, I'm very blessed, Earl. I love the people that I work with. They're all extremely, um, uh, we have a great relationship. Um, I get up every day and it's not about the money. It's about, you know, money comes when you make good creative decisions and you're passionate about what you do for clients and for managers and for agents. Okay. Well, man, yeah. You know, agency can be a little more transactional, but Still, I think that that that's true as well. Um, <clears throat> most of the people that I have, and there's, you know, we have a bunch of people, so there's a ton of stuff I could plug, which I'm not going to. But um, I'm just excited for each of them. I get just as happy for the Fox show I just mentioned as I do for our client Catherine Winnick, who I've represented for years. You know, we found, you know, we were involved in when the show Vikings first started, which went for many years, and you know. She just got, which I can't announce here yet. It's going to be announced soon, but she just got a major movie with one of the more talented directors in the business that made me very happy. Um, you know, so a lot of the people that I have now, um, there's a lot of good stuff that's going on. And, you know, some of it's going to work, some of it's not. Some of it's going to be a quick exit. Some of it's going to go for many years. All I'm trying to do is laugh, have fun, have a good perspective on it, enjoy. And believe, and um, you know, it's a it's a home run business. It's a dream business. Dream big, and at the end of the day, just stay in the game. Because if you stay in the game, you can get a little lucky. And if you're good, you'll weather the storms that come while you're lucky, and then you'll that luck will turn into uh, a real run for both of you. Well, I always like to say you have to be delusional. <laughs> But your delusion is to be based in reality, which doesn't yeah. really make sense because it's like, it's like what? Yeah. But like you know, that's what keeps me going. Like I'm, you have to be delusional to think you're going to make it in Hollywood. <laughs> so few people do. Yeah, and, you have to be right. We're all listen. We're all crazy. I mean, yes, you have to be delusional. You have to dream big. Um, you know, you 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 know, you really have to. Um roll the dice. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's a home run business. It is have conviction, have an opinion, take a position. I always say gray is death. Black or white is living live. You know, when you're in the gray, what, like, what are you doing? You're just sitting, you're still black or white, man, take a shot. You win, you lose, you know? I mean, that's, 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 that's what, I think smart people do, and then you can never look back on it and have regrets, you know? 
I mean, I think I'm going to end the podcast now. I have more questions. Let me ask you one last question about yeah. Zach, and it's yeah. it goes back to casting. Because do you have? I mean, obviously, you're not going to have trouble pitching him roles, uh, but like since he was so convincing mm-hmm. as Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. like the next role, let's say there you get a script for a, I don't know, let's say a romantic, uh, like a, a rom com. Yeah. Like, do you have to go? Hey, you know. Because he was so good as Ted Bundy, you, I felt like I was watching a documentary. It didn't even seem like a movie to me. Like it was like, wow, yeah. this is like, yeah, this is. Uh, is it hard to like sales pitch him now for a, a rom com or or like you know a Baywatch type of movie where it's more silly? Uh, you know, it's like they say Charlie Hunnam passed on Fifty Shades of Grey because he couldn't go from being a murderous biker to that. Do you have a similar uh, dilemma? By the way, Earl, that's a great question. And yes, I forgot about that Charlie Hunnam thing. Um, I don't have that dilemma because luckily Zach um, has solidified himself. He's already proven to people that he can sing and dance, that he can do romantic comedy. He's a, he, I mean, he's a real, real, um, full force talent in that he can, you know, how many young guys, how many guys that are under 35 years old can do comedy and drama? I mean, not many star in a movie, uh, can start a movie like greatest showman, right. Or 17 again, any of these movies, right. And do comedy and then can also play Ted Bundy or do darker things. So no, I don't necessarily have that problem. What is challenging is you just brought up a point because we had a couple offers recently on things that were, totally the opposite of Ted Bundy. And we thought about it. He thought about it. And, you know, the end of the day, I think coming off that performance, which people are still realizing because it's only been on Netflix for um, two and a half weeks. And you were the executive producer? Yeah, we helped. We, yeah, Zach's company, which I um, help him oversee, um, we got that screenplay early and helped put it together with the filmmaker and uh, the guy who financed it. So we, we, you know, we've been involved since day one through selling the movie to Netflix. And that's a whole nother conversation at some point, if I come back on the podcast, it's fascinating. Um, But yeah, no, I, I, I think that the narrative that's out there to go do something that is the opposite right now, would maybe take away from a little bit of what he just accomplished. So I think, I think for him right now, he has a lot going on, a lot of different businesses and things that he's developing. I think he, you know, we're going to take our time and make a good, smart decision and surround him with the best people possible on the next role. Because, you, know? you know, you see, it, it, he's obviously older than Zach, but, you know, Hugh Jackman goes from these wacky superhero roles to singing show tunes. And he's good at everything. Like, he's, good at, he's good at everything. And, you know, again, I, 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 these are the guys that in today's environment, it's like to be able, you know, Hugh Jackman, what a talent. Sing, dance, drama, action movies. I mean, he can do anything. But I'm impressed at his ability uh, – uh, I don't think Zach has ever had a true bomb yet, but like Hugh Jackman did a TV show right. called Viva Laughlin uh, on CBS. And it literally was so bad. It. it was so bad. It was canceled after yeah. the first commercial break. The billboards. Yeah, I remember. But I, I mean, I thought it was hilarious, but like you can't get any more of a bomb than that. And he recovered. Like, that's you know impressive. Yeah, he, he's, we, you know, Baywatch was considered, even though the movie still did decent. I mean, Baywatch was considered a bomb by most. I mean, 
you know, listen, everyone's going to have bombs. Nothing goes up. Movies, every, every star is going to have movies that work and movies that don't. Um, and, you know, you just, you just follow your heart in good things and the public then will make the decision one way or the other. And you can't always get it right. But like I always say, if you get it right more than you're getting it wrong, then you're going to, you're going to have a pretty good career. Well, I think in Zach's case, if Baywatch was a bomb, that's a nice bomb to have. Like, uh, yeah, it still did pretty decent overseas. It's just domestically. I think, you know, I think the reviewers just wanted to kind of rip it and you know, the movie could have been better. I mean, I'll, I'll, I think the movie could have been better for sure. I mean, to me, I looked at it like, uh, the Miami vice, the movie, like, uh, I, I think, and this goes to how hard making movies is for the younger crowds. You know, when you do like these retro movies, like, you know, to me, Baywatch, the movie wasn't, didn't really pay tribute to the TV show, which right. to me anyway, are the people who are going to watch the movie. Like, yeah. oh, I was a fan of David Hasselhoff. Yeah. And, you know, same thing with Miami Vice. Like, you won't find a bigger Miami Vice fan than me in terms of the TV show. It was just yeah. five seasons of mostly brilliance from Michael Mann. You know, it was like one of the greats. But then the movie was just like so opposite the TV show. And I realize you have to change things. It's not the 80s. It's hard. You know what, Earl? One thing I'll say: remakes are really hard. And I vowed to, I vowed to stay away from them unless it's really special. And I'm not saying that with all my clients we won't do. You know, I'm very proud. You know, I represented a guy for many years named Jay Hernandez, who's the new Magnum PI on CBS. Right. And um, <clears throat> you know, great guy, hard worker. You know, we, you know, we had that conversation before. You know, you have, and the show just got picked up for a second season, and. CBS seems to be happy with it. And, you know, to remake something or something that's so successful to come in and, you know, I know everyone's trying to do it now because they're trying to revamp all these things that worked years and years ago. Um, it's tricky. Um, it's hard. And I'd say 75 or 80% fail. Um, and the ones that don't can go for a while and be successful. And, Again, I attribute remakes to also surrounding yourself with people that are really good at making, re you know, that that you think are going to elevate what the new vision for the show is. If you're just going to just do like a remake for a remake, you're going to fail. But you got to like have an innovative way into a proven concept to make it interesting in 2019, you know? I mean, to me, and I'm sure people don't care what a relatively unknown comics take is on, you know, the movie business, but like remakes to me, they just miss the charm of the original. Yeah. Uh, that like Tiffany kind of, you know, it's that, like, like special magic. The that, Bad News Bears remake. Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton, huge star. Yeah. And all those kids in the movie, you could tell were child actors. Yeah. But you go back and watch the 1976 Bad News Bears. Yeah. I mean, Walter Matthau was, you know, kind of not not at a low point in his career, but he was kind of fading in terms yeah. of his star power. And all those kids were not actors. You yeah. could tell they just plucked these kids from a little league in Westwood, and they were amazing. Yeah. Probably couldn't, none of them probably had one acting class between the 10 kids. But that fat kid is the catcher. Oh, God. Ogle, was it Oglethorpe? Well, he, you know, you talk about the business being cold. It's Ogilvy. Ogilvy, or whatever his name was, yeah. In between the first and the second one, he grew four inches and <laughs> lost weight. So right. they fired him. Yeah. 
That guy oh. was great. He was he was he was great. Was he the one eating the chicken? He, he was, was the one eating one the Kentucky Fried Chicken on the on the toilet. On the toilet. And then going, there was the there was the. He's the, on the phone going. Right, right. What do you mean biscuits are extra? <laughs> right, I remember. But that. that kid couldn't act. But then the fat yeah. kid in the remake. I, I'm sure yeah. he's a great kid. Yeah. And you know I'm sure he's uh, Juilliard trained. Yeah. And it just wasn't the same. But that goes back girl, to purity and yes. there was a magic of goes back to the, what I talked about, about franchises, like one, you know, one every seven to 10 years, there's a magic, there's a, a gravitas, there's a thing that you can't manufacture. And that, that's, that's Hollywood likes to try to manufacture it. And more than not, it doesn't work. So, well, I mean, I just, you know, I grew up in an era of like, you know, that first Rocky movie was just like, there's no CGI, right. there's no, uh, you know the, the the people in Stallone's corner. You know the actors were actual cut men in boxing. Yeah. You know versus like, you know, no offense. I don't know if you had any clients in the Creed movies. Yeah. Uh, I felt like I was watching a video game. Yeah. Like it was like, and they're all I'm sure great actors and and great people. No, and they and they did well. But it, again, it goes back to what we talked about the times and social media and how people are seeing content. And it's just you know. It's a different era now, Earl. I think Goner, and I know you're a specialist of the '80s, and some of my fondest memories. Some of my fondest memories are in the '80s from working for the LA Kings and being the stick boy, and having Wayne Gretzky come to Los Angeles, and you know, you and I going to games with Eric Simpson, and was all, now uh, coaching uh, boys soccer <laughs> in like Guatemala, Ecuador somewhere. I don't know if we want to cover that subject. <laughs> You know, and hanging out with Eric Handler and Wolke and all these people. I mean, the 80s were, you know, an amazing time. But it was also a time, look at like Las Vegas then and look at the business then and look at society then. We didn't have terrorism. You know, it's just like everything was like pure. And today, our, you know, my kids are growing up in a 10 times different environment. And it's bums me out a little bit. But, you know, you make the best of it and you... You move with the times and you uh, adapt, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I feel old saying this, you know, because I remember my parents, you know, say, oh, I wish you were around when Elvis was around. And I'd, I would look at Elvis clips and go, oh, I'm good on that. Give me rat. Uh, <laughs> right. And then I try and explain to people who are in their early 20s, you know, I hang out with a lot of younger comics. Like, yeah, you should have been around the 80s, Dice and Kennison, and you'd go see Guns N' Roses, and they're like, Guns N' Roses? Where in this, like, you know, uh, right. Slipknot, and, right. uh, or, you know, whoever. Like, that. the number one song right now is that, uh, was it Billy Ray Cyrus and the rapper, uh, oh, Old Town Road. Yeah, yeah, And, like, I was like, this is music? Like, you know, what? Yeah. You know, or, but, you know, what do I, I if you would have told me, and I'll, I know you got to go because you've got actual clients to service, <laughs> Uh, that the mass singer would be a big hit. Oh my God! I would, and I love Dr. Ken and I are homies. Right. Uh, I would be like, who's going to pay to watch that? Yeah. So yeah. it's it's times. Listen, it, it's times have changed, and you know, again, or like, you know, you and I, you know, we had a great time back then, and and eighties, nineties, and you know, I love watching these these <clears throat> documentaries on TV, like profiling that time and seeing the Roxbury back in the day and bar one and all those. Oh, the night. Well, even that's changed. The like, nightclubs. I, I tell people like, you know, I drive by sunset and, you know, now it's pink taco and it used yeah. to be Roxbury. And I would tell my friends like me, Jason and Eric, and, you know, it was like a, uh, 
you know, rat pack, the, the modern day rat pack. We yeah. would go to every nightclub and we then we'd go across the street to Carlos and Charlie's. Oh my God. And then at midnight it was Chip and Dale's. Oh boy. And, and you know, we'd, yeah, yeah. You know, anyway, um, <laughs> it was the eighties. Uh, now wait, now Earl's just, when he says Chip and Dale's, they opened the club to, there were females in there. This wasn't guys that, I mean, no, no, yeah, not let that me, it wasn't, let not me, that that's not a problem, but I'm just saying it was, it was, we'd go in there and it would be like a nightclub. Well, let me explain. Let me retell uh, that version of the story. Uh, Carlos and Charlie's was a nightclub on sunset from, I think, Friday and Saturday nights from 10 to 12, they would have Chippendales. Right. And at uh, 12.01, they would let guys in. And uh, because of the group of guys I ran with, and you guys were all, I think, just starting out in the business, agent, you know, yeah. uh, agents, assistants, right. mail, all the door guys at the nightclubs were actors. Yeah. So we never had to wait in line. Yeah. And we were uh, first up in the queue at 12.01. Oh, and yeah. now to walk into Chippendales at 12.01, when for the previous two hours, it was all hot male exotic dancers getting an all-female crowd <coughs> riled up you were a piece of meat to these girls oh, it was like the complete opposite of how life works yes like for two hours these girls had been looking at the sexiest bodies on the planet and then we walked in and then me and my friends walk in looking like we just got off an amber alert billboard <laughs> But the girls didn't care. It's like, oh, who are you guys? <laughs> Hi, my name's John. I play in the Kings. What? Uh, Hello. But it's just now kids, I don't even think they go to clubs. It's like. Yeah, everyone's on, uh, on uh, Bumble. And, and, and Yeah, that's another dating. I mean. That's like a club. Uh, Tinder, right. Bumble. Uh, and then the, there's so many dating apps. Raya, which yeah. is for like rich hookups. and uh, right. Sugarbabies.com. <laughs> I, I mean, that. all this. All this crazy stuff that there was zero then, and we, again, back to that. We there was a purity and a, um, you know, we we enjoyed going out and just it was a great it was a great time and you know I mean the memories of that are 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 awesome and uh, well you had to actually go out yeah like nowadays even dating it's like uh, you know back then you have to take a girl to Cafe Roma and then Chaya Chaya or right. peanuts or. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know plenty of other places then you go to a nightclub and then you go to an after hours yeah. you know the mouse trap on pico oh, yeah. uh you'd see like these celebrities doing a little bit of the booger sugar and and whatnot but now it's like oh do you want to come over and we'll just watch netflix like you don't go out yeah which i you know once again i sound old but like i prefer back when we were to be able to like yeah you know, going see, out and go out and, you know, get you out know. a little bit. Yeah, and no. even as an agent or a manager now, like you used to have to go out to a comedy <coughs> club if you wanted to see a new client or yeah. Yeah. today it's the internet, you know, you just go on YouTube. Yeah. You no, know. it's, it's, uh, those were, those were the days, man, that, that, those were, and again, we've all gotten older. We all have our lives. We, uh, you know, right now is a great time and it's just a different time and, you know, you go through, I think a lot of that molded us though, Earl, it allowed us to be not only in what we do, but it gave us a real kind of understanding of, um, what it's like to really bond with your buddies and hang out and have real true friendships and have memories that last forever. And, you know, so it was a great time, great time in Los Angeles. Absolutely. Now, usually this is the part where I'm ending it, where I say, where do you want people to contact you? If any of my friends dare 
contact Jason. Say, oh, Earl said I could send you my reel. Don't you dare. Uh, do you have a social media platform where you like people to follow you on? Or are you in the shadows? Um, I, you know, I have a social media platform. It's private. Um, we'll leave I, it at that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, again, I mean, at some point it'll be, it'll be opened up when I do open it up Earl, I will definitely have you put it out to your, um, to your, to your community. Um, and That's a again, nice way of saying, don't contact me. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm listen, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I come here today cause I have tremendous respect for Earl, you know? I love him, and I really wanted to share a little bit of kind of what I've gone through and, you know, in hopes of giving people, um, you know, uh, the, you know, the thought that to like hang in there and work hard and surround yourself with good people and believe and, uh, and things can happen. So Earl, I appreciate the time. It was a great talk. It was great reminiscing about stuff and, uh, you know, maybe in some time we'll come back and we'll do it again. Absolutely. I wanted, I really wanted to have you on and, and I certainly wasn't downgrading your start in the business, but I, I literally, you know, we only see people when they're on the top, you know, right. we don't see someone like Zach before high school musical, probably auditioning for a Mentos commercial, not getting it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that. And we didn't even deep dive deep into that, but yes, I mean, it took, you know, his, you know, his situation was a little different, but yes, there were a lot of things that even with what happened, uh, you know, he didn't get or yeah. things didn't happen. I know LL part of the business. Yeah. Yeah. LL, you, we wouldn't think LL cool J would struggle at any point. Cause he's a massive worldwide star and, and not just uh, music, but acting and, and movies and TV yeah. shows. But you know, he did. I, I've heard him talk about, you know, uh, every record label passed on him. You yeah. know, we can't have a, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, he was more of a positive rapper, I yeah. guess you'd say. You know, uh, we uh, we we're into NWA and you know uh, Ice Cube, and he had he had tremendous adversity. He had to come over in the music business, and even in film, you know, there were things that unfortunately we you know that that you know we took shots for that we got close, but you know, ultimately, ultimately, you land where you where you should, and uh, I think he landed in a place that he's extremely grateful for that. Um, and again, he's another guy who, as much as he's who he is, he hasn't even scratched the surface yet. There's so much more out of him. So, you know, it's it's called, you know, continuing to grow and believe. And so, you know, that's my thing with all the people that I work with. I I, I appreciate them. I believe in them. And uh, I know that we're going to continue to strive for, uh, you know, the best that they can be with my group guiding and helping. So, Well, I go. hope the people listening to this gain uh you know there's a lot of fluff out there in the motivational world you know but literally the man sitting on my couch is managing the, some of the biggest stars in the business and 25 years ago he was literally picking up mark hardy's jock strap <laughs> putting it in a washer and dryer so that's uh, true it was true like i, I say in the that's kidding true. way but like this is a guy who literally was handing bernie nichols a towel after he got out of the shower so uh don't and by get... the way some of the best the, the best two years of my life as a kid was working for the kings and being like the stick boy and like just tra traveling with them on christmas vacations and going to playoff games and i mean dream I, you know, a lot of kids want to be a bat boy. They want to work for a sports team. It was great. And so Earl is right, though. I was in that locker room, and just it was... Uh, 
I mean, you can't get any more of a menial job than locker room. Locker room attendant, stick boy. You don't do it because you like it. And you don't get paid. Yeah, yeah, you're an intern. You're an intern. You're in there on game nights, and you're, you know, luckily I had good people, though, there. I was out of the bench for a lot of the games after probably three months on the job, so I got to watch the bomber drop his gloves, and I got to see Gretzky score, and I got to, you know, see my friend Eric Simpson on the other bench, and I got to see Earl. This guy right here in his king jersey with his long hair, rooting him on, <laughs> waiting for the fights. Oh God, we were we were sickos. I think the only guy who had more hockey fights than me, uh, hockey fight tapes in my life was Earl. I mean, we literally. Uh, I know would, we're we're going on, but these are just great. Well, but, but it's like it's like you know here we are in the entertainment business, and we're you know you know you're managing people who million dollar offers for a film or TV. I'm I'm, you know doing well in my areas but you know literally we bonded over uh buying uh, hockey fight tapes in the back of the hockey news which was a newspaper uh that came out two weeks after anything happened so it was like you know now you, the internet once again you could find out what happened two minutes after the play happened right. uh and we're buying hockey fight tapes from some guy named andy in new jersey uh, uh, so we could see rudy poshek fight darren campbell yep these are all these are all this is all true man which is the one good thing i love about social media is i've become twitter friends with darren campbell have you really it's so bizarre to me to you know and only hockey fans are going to appreciate yeah. this but like you know, to sit there and have a conversation with Darren Kimball privately oh my God. on something called Twitter when you grew up watching this guy fight. Oh. And me and Jason one time, Jason was a stick boy for the Kings, and he had the in for where the opposing teams uh, would stay at their hotel. Usually it was at the airport uh, park uh, area. Uh, right by the forum. Yeah. And so me and Jason, he'd probably be embarrassed that I'm telling this, but nothing bad. Uh, we would call the uh, airport park, you know, motel and go, hi, uh, uh, Earl uh, Jackson and, and Jason Botterill, uh, we're reporters for the LA Times. Can we have Darren Kimball's room, please? <laughs> and Darren Kimball would pick up the phone and we'd say we were from the LA Times, you know, doing an article on fighting. And I'll never forget, he spoke to us for like 20 minutes. We couldn't even shut him up. I remember that. And then Kelly Bookberger was the next call, and he told us to F off. He did. Because I think we uh, interrupted his nap. But we could go on and on. Uh, I appreciate Jason Barrett taking the time uh, to talk about the the other side of the business. Because there is a completely other side of the business that I'm not on that I think people like to hear about. It's breaking, uh, I think they call it breaking the fourth wall. Absolutely. So uh, watch out for uh, Zach's next movie, uh, Brendan Schaub special on Showtime. Brendan Schaub special Showtime. Check it out. And uh, again, you know, thank you guys for having me here and uh, believe I appreciate it. And just believe in yourself, man, and keep fighting. Uh, inappropriate. Yes. Keep fighting. Uh, never give up, uh, you know, but uh, also be realistic. Yeah, very true. Uh, that helps. Very true. Some of you could uh, learn that. Inappropriate Earl, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, please leave a review and uh, follow Jason's clients. They're all doing big things. Watch the Ted Bundy movie on Netflix. It's really, it's so good. It's like you're watching a documentary. Like it, it doesn't even seem like a movie. And uh, there's a great cast as well. Haley Joe Osment. John uh, Malkovich, Lily Collins. Um, uh, the guy, I, Jim hey, Parsons, right from Big Bang Theory. Yeah, uh, we got a good cast on. He was great. I mean, talk about casting, like yeah. that, 
you're watching this movie going, that's the guy from the Big Bang Theory, but yeah. he plays a great he plays uh, attorney. Uh, and uh, the guy who was the first lawyer, I saw him on Dexter. I hate saying oh, it. Jeffrey Donovan. Yeah, he was like another great. Uh, yeah. So it's a great cast, and it, you know, it's a fascinating. Uh, you know, most serial killers look like gargoyles. Yeah, uh, and to, to have this like super good looking, you know, Ted, the actual Ted Bundy was. <laughs> Zach's probably the only guy who could have played him. Was, and by the way, it's not a. Um, this isn't like a gore movie of like just Ted Bundy going and killing people. It's a psychological look at a narcissist told through the perspective of his first love. So it's an interesting kind of case study, which is why I think people have really responded to it. Well, that's what I liked about it was you guys could have gone the cheap route and just go with blood and guts, yeah, and, you was, know, which sells to kids. Like, yeah. Uh, but it's more of a, uh, a smart man's or smart person, woman too, of yeah. a, a, a horrible story, uh, which Absolutely. you have to have good acting. Uh, if you don't go the blood and guts route, and there's no CGI in this. It's nope. just acting. So uh, watch that. It's on Netflix now, uh, burning up the Netflix charts. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Well, who knows? Maybe I'll do a phone or Darren Campbell.